What's up, everybody? And welcome to episode eight of the First and Foremost Podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Douglas. And I'm Jimmy Cubbins. We got some good content lined up for you all today. You know, unfortunately, we had a special guest lined up for you all, but with technical difficulties, uh, we had to kind of postpone that. So today we're going to be bringing you all uh, an abbreviated show, but nonetheless, it's going to be good. Jimmy, how you doing, bro? I'm doing good, man. Countdown the days to, I can officially say I'm no longer a college student. So, you know. Man, that's going to be a great feeling. Just got to get through finals this week. Bro, I might cry, man. <laughs> Honestly, man. How many finals you got, or do you have any? Uh, I have, I got one test actually that I'm doing Tuesday and I got, I have like three next week. Yeah, I have three next week. So the week after, I'm sorry, yeah, week after, so. Okay, so you got two more weeks. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I got two written ones and I got a seven page paper due Thursday, so that's going to be rough. <laughs> no papers. All right, well, yeah, no doubt, bro. But we're not going to waste any more of your time, so let's get right back to it. Earlier last week, um, the Patriots traded Rob Gronkowski to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in exchange for a fourth-round pick and a seventh-round pick. Jimmy, do you think Gronk and Tom Brady can lead Tampa Bay to the Super Bowl next year? Not those two alone. Uh they're going to need some help, obviously. And, you know, they got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard. You know, they added an offensive tackle in the draft. You know, that front seven, seven is pretty formidable. But I think the problem with that team, the weakness is the back end. Uh, it's a lot of young, young, unproven guys. And they added a safety in the draft, too, in the second round, I want to believe. But, you know, those two alone are not going to be able to get it done. Uh, Gronk, I mean, I don't know. Last time we saw Gronk, he was – you know, we saw him in the playoffs and, you know, against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, he played well down the stretch. Uh, the fourth quarter, you know, overtime, they, when they needed him, he came through. But for most of that year, he was a shell of a former self uh, physically. And so, you know, a year off, I'm pretty sure it has done his body some good. But, you know, I'm anxious to see what he's going to look like uh, after a year off of football. But, you know, I don't expect him to be the all-pro that he once was, obviously. I expect him to be productive. Because when you got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you know, they have the outsides of the field. And then you got Gronk down the middle. And like, you know what I'm saying? You also have O.J. Howard. So, you know, he's not going to be doing it alone. They tight end. He'll have some help. So, I think, you know, this gives them some one-on-one matchups with safeties who are obviously too small. You know, most linebackers are too slow. So, you know, he's still a mismatch because he's 6'6", 265. And uh, he's not slow. You know, he's still – I'm pretty sure he still can run. Uh, but he'll create some mismatches. But those two alone are not going to lead them to Super Bowl. I don't even have them making it out of the the NFC. Uh, my NFC team, I got the 49ers coming out again. You know, I don't think they have enough to beat the 49ers or the Packers, for that matter, or, some, or somebody like the Saints. I don't think they have enough, to be completely honest with you. I mean, this is not the AFC East. This is the NFC South. Matt Ryan and Atlanta Falcons are no slouch. They've added some talent through the draft and free agency. They're not going to be garbage. Uh, after after Carolina's draft, they're going to be a lot better. You know, they added all defensive players, which was a record. Uh, so, you know, they added Teddy Bridgewater. They added Robbie Anderson, you know, added a tight end. So, that's going to be a good team, too. And we know what the Saints are. They've added some talent as well. So, 
no, I don't I don't think they'll be able to lead them on their own. I don't like I said, I don't even think they'll make it to the NFC championship game, to be honest with you. No, nah, man, I mean, honestly, I hundred percent agree with you. Uh, you know, just looking at you know, a lot of people, which I was also on that train of saying uh Tom Brady was declining like over the past two years of his career, but you have to first look at the lack of talent he had in his receiver core. And he basically went from nobody last year to now he has two Pro Bowl wide receivers. Gronk came back out of retirement. And then they added uh, Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt, which I really like that pick. They added him in the draft as well as um, Tristan Wirfs, who he's a freak of nature. Like I saw a video he was in a swimming pool. Mind you, this dude's like 340. And, like, he jumped clean out of the pool. And, like, I've never seen an offensive lineman do something like that before. Never. But just looking at the array of talent that they have, and then you have Bruce Arians, who's one of the best play callers in the game, calling the plays. I think he can tailor that offense to really fit Brady's skill set and to, you know, really get the, the full potential out of all of them. Now it does remain to be seen whether or not OJ Howard gets traded. Cause I don't I don't think they'll keep him as a third tight end because Cameron Bright was better last year. So uh that'll be interesting to see. But I do believe Ty Bowles, like you said, that front seven is formidable. And he's arguably one of the best defensive play callers in the league. Um I think he'll have them competing at a high level. But like you said, the biggest question mark is that secondary nonetheless, because they were, what, I think 30th in, like, pass defense last year. And, like, that's just awful. And, I like, I don't know any team that's ever been to the Super Bowl with a secondary like that. And when you – like you mentioned, you got offenses led by Matt Ryan, Julio, Ty Gurley in Atlanta. Then you got Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, and Kamara in New Orleans. I do think that Tom Brady and the Patriots could – I mean, sorry, got to get used to saying Buccaneers. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, I think they can get in as a wild card, but I definitely don't see them winning that NFC South division. That's going to be definitely one of the more tougher divisions in the NFL this year. Oh, uh, yeah. You you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, you know, of course, I, I see them in a playoff team, definitely, you know, barring, you know, any catastrophic injuries to any of the star players. You know, an offensive line, uh, you know, they improved through the draft, but, I mean, still – the offensive line isn't going to be great. So, you know, we'll see how that works out in terms of the run game. I think the run game is going to be important too. So I think, like you said, adding Keyshawn Vaughn was a was a big bonus because we, we know what he did at Vanderbilt in the SEC. Uh, so, you know, I'd like to see him, you know, continue that success in the NFL. But, like, that, that back end, is that's a big problem for me. Uh, the front seven was one of the best in the league down the stretch last year. You know, they re-signed. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul brought back Shaquille Barrett. You know, they have Indomitian Sue. You know, uh, they have the defensive tackle. You know, and they got Levante David and Devin White in the middle. So, like I said, the front seven is formidable. It's just the back end. That's my biggest concern. And, you know, when you're playing teams in the NFC, you know, when you're playing in the AFC, NFC South, Matt Ryan is going to torch you. Drew Brees is going to torch you. And Teddy Bridgewater is not going to torch you. But he's still, a, you know, an above-average quarterback. He does have weapons. He has Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, who's a deep threat, and Christian McCaffrey. We know what he is in the receiving game as well. So, you know, all those teams have weapons. 
And so it's not going to be no walk in the park like it was in the, in the AFC East. So, you know, like I said, I don't even have them coming. I don't have them coming out of the NFC. I have them making it to maybe the divisional round or something like that, but no further than that. Yeah, for sure. And I think another thing, too, something that's really going to be emphasized this season is, like, continuity, especially on offense. Like, Tom Brady, outside of Grump, he doesn't have chemistry with any of those receivers. So you have things like timing, knowing where this receiver likes the ball. We know how picky Tom Brady is with his receivers in at the right place at the right time, and he's a guy that's all about timing. So I think that's also probably going to hold them back a little bit too. But I definitely think there'll be a playoff team, but Super Bowl, not happening. And Especially more, with uh, with the 49ers in the NFC. But and, go one ahead. More, and one more thing with that, with Bruce Arians' system, he likes to push the ball down the field. You know, Tom Brady's not known for really pushing the ball down the field outside of when he had Randy Moss back in 07. I've never really known him to be a guy that pushes the ball downfield a lot. So – you know, of course, Bruce Arians will conform his system to fit Tom Brady's strengths, but you no, know, it remains. I want to see you know how much Bruce Arians compromise and how much can Tom, how much can Tom Brady actually push the ball downfield? Yeah, no doubt about that. And I think, I think in the interview, Bruce Arians actually did get asked that question, and I think he has said that he's you know willing to tailor his offense to fit Tom Brady's strengths, which I mean. If I had the GOAT, I'd definitely tailor my offense to him. So that'll definitely be interesting to see how that dynamics work, how that dynamic works also. Uh, but moving on from that topic, the uh, 2020 NFL draft of this was this weekend. Definitely was weird to watch virtually. I don't know about you, uh, but there were definitely a bunch of highs and lows. So, Jimmy, starting with you, um, who were your winners of the NFL draft? So I have five winners, and, you know, I don't have them ranked in any way, but my five winners are the Dallas Cowboys, the Baltimore Ravens, the Cleveland Browns, the Indianapolis Colts, and the San Francisco 49ers. So going one by one here, uh, obviously the Cowboys added C.D. Lamb, which was one of the, the most surprising things of the first round for me. I fully didn't expect C.D. to be, you know, he, he dropped about four or five spots below what I expected him to drop. But I just didn't expect him to be the third receiver taken off the board and available at 17 for the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, reports came out, you know, early in the week that Jerry Jones was going to be picking alone. So, naturally, I was, you know, very concerned because, you know, Jerry has done some questionable things <laughs> all the time. But they made an excellent pick with CeeDee Lamb. It wasn't a position of need, but it adds to an already talented offense with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and Ezekiel Elliott. You know, and, you know, it just adds to an already explosive offense. You know, in the second round, they added to a position of need, which was cornerback. They landed Trayvon Diggs, who was one of the highest-graded corners uh, coming in, into the draft. Uh, he had a solid career at Alabama. I watched a lot of Alabama games, and he, he made a lot of plays. And, you know, they also added some some depth and some talent, you know, later in the draft. Uh, in the fifth round, they added a defensive end, uh, Bradley Anai. He was a consensus All-American for Utah last year. And they got him in the fifth round. Uh, he had 13 sacks last season. Uh, he's Utah's all-time leading sacker. Has he, yeah, he's the best. He has the most sacks in uh, Utah's history. Uh, they also added a center from Wisconsin, following the Travis Frederick steps. So they added some depth, and they added some you know some some talent in positions of need. And uh, moving on to the Ravens, which I think has the best front office in football, arguably. You know they added. 
of the the main position of need was inside linebacker for them, and uh, they got great a great guy in Patrick Queen out of LSU. He's been following the mode of the typical LSU linebacker over these last three or four years. They can hit, they can run, they can cover. You know, following the guys of like Quan Alexander and Debo and Devin White. So he's one of those guys. He's a little bit on the smaller side, about 229 pounds, but he's fast and he can cover. Uh, they also added J.K. Dobbins in the second round, which was a big My surprise. God. I did not expect J.K. to be around uh, at that long. He was a tremendous back, uh, put up a lot of production, extremely talented. So, you know, the run game was already historically great last year. So now you're adding to it already. You got to worry about Lamar. You got to worry about Mark Ingram. And now you got to worry about J.K. So there's going to be a lot to deal with. They also added Devin DuVernay out of Texas. He had over 100 catches in the slot last year. So you needed that at receiver. They added Malik Harrison as well in the third round, who was a, a talented linebacker, Mason had some great production for Ohio State. So I was definitely, you know, impressed with the way they handled the NFL draft. And the Cleveland Browns as well. You know, in free agency, they added Jack Conklin for right tackle. You know, the tackles were a mess for the Browns last year. So in free agency, they added Jack Conklin at right tackle, and they added arguably the best tackle in the draft, Jedrick Wills. Added him at number 10 spot at left tackle. And they also got Grant Delpit in the second round, which I had Grant Delpit rated as, you know, as a first had a first round grade with me. But you know, some injuries and some tackling concerns dropped him. So they got tremendous value as a second round pick. And they also added Donovan Peoples Jones and uh Harrison Bryant at tight end. And so moving on next is the Indianapolis Colts for me. Uh they were without a first round pick, but they still did well. They added Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor in the second round. And they also got Jason Egan Easton on day three when uh, he was projected to be a day two pick. So they pretty much have their quarterback of the future right there. And uh, lastly, for the 49ers, you know, they added Brandon Ayuk, a talented, explosive guy, uh, about six foot, has long, very long arms. And they also added a monster on the inside to replace DeForest Buckner, added Javon Kinlaw. And they also added Jawan Jennings in the seventh round, who's Jawan Jennings, you know better than I do. He's a very underrated and a highly talented receiver. He didn't run as fast. He didn't run as fast in the combine, but you know, it's not always always about speed. And also, they made a trade. They added Trent Williams for a 2025th round pick and the 2021 third round pick. And Joe Staley retired, so Trent Williams comes right in and fills the void that he's going to leave. So those are my winners in the draft. So. Yeah, bro. I think. Whoops. I think for the most part, like, me and you literally agreed on, like, every big winner from this draft. Uh, I'm going to start off with Dallas. You know, once again, I immediately texted you and was making fun of the fact that Jerry Jones said he didn't want nobody messing with him. Like, he was making all the picks and that was going to be it. I thought that was just hilarious. Uh, But like you said, I had C.D. Lamb as the – you know, he was my favorite receiver in this draft. And for him to fall to 17, I mean, that was an absolute steal right there. And I definitely didn't expect the Cowboys to pounce on him. Uh, But that pairing, along with Amari Cooper, um, and you have Michael Gallup, who emerged last year, that's definitely going to be a dangerous, dangerous offense, along with Ezekiel Elliott. And if they pay Dak, man, that offense is going to be scary. They definitely could make some noise in the NFC next year. Um, and then you also mentioned in the second round, uh, they got Trayvon Diggs from Alabama, guy with plenty of talent. I think one thing for him was just consistency. 
Uh, so hopefully he can put it together and he'll be a replacement uh, for Byron Jones. And then also after that, they got a guy, Neville Gallimore. Uh, he was a guy, had a lot of potential, had a, a high motor in college. Um, so he can slide right in, provide some depth on that D-line. And then I agree with you as well about Bradley and I, like, this dude was an All-American and went fifth round. Like, that was shocking to me. Uh, but once again, had a lot of production in college. And I think he'll be a guy that can immediately compete uh, to replace the loss of Robert Quinn, who had 10 sacks for y'all last year. Um, and then also the center they got from Wisconsin. Wisconsin always known for having good offensive linemen. Uh, so he'll slide in seamlessly for Travis Frederick. Uh, and I thought one thing that was funny, you always bash Big 12 and Pac-12 teams, and literally half of those picks came from those conferences. <laughs> I didn't realize that so just now. <laughs> so have fun with that. Um, but, yeah, my next winner, of course, I had to include my 49ers. Uh, we had two first-round picks, you know, after we traded uh, DeForest Buckner for the number 13 pick with the Colts. Uh, but the way they navigated that draft to me was just pure genius. Um, we fell back a spot, got a free fourth-round pick, and got Javon Kinlaw, who he's drawn comparisons to a stronger Fletcher Cox. And, like, I'm a big Fletcher Cox fan, so if we can get even 80% of that, I'm set. Like, I'm good to go right there. Uh, like you mentioned, Brandon Ayuk, he was considered the yards after King in college. He's very explosive after the catch. Um, I even heard he worked with TJ Hushmanzada, and he compared him to his former teammate, Chad Ochocinco. Once again, if we can get even 80% of that, I'm set. Uh, but just the fact that we had two glaring gaps and they filled those immediately in the first round, I thought that was uh, great moves on their part. And then once again, fifth round, traded that fifth round pick for Trent Williams. I was hearing the days leading up to the draft. <laughs> See you shaking your head. I was hearing leading up to the draft that it might happen because it was like 90% chance Joe Staley was retiring which he's a legend. Shout out Joe Staley. Um, but that was an absolute steal for me. Like, Trent Williams is arguably the greatest Redskins player ever and a perennial pro bowler, and he's had a year to heal his body. Uh, so the fact that we got him and we beat out teams like the Rams and Vikings for him, uh, I think that was an A-plus move for me uh, in my book. Um, and another team, you brought up the Colts. They've made a lot of good moves this offseason, starting with Phillip Rivers. I thought the DeForest Buckner trans, uh, transaction was a great move. Uh, they got Phillip some weapons. Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, those running backs are always highly productive. Uh, and then you mentioned Michael Pittman Jr. He has wide receiver one potential. Uh, he was productive in college as well. Uh, so I think those guys, uh, they'll definitely look great in their offense along with Phillip Rivers. And then you mentioned, too, Jacob Eason. He he honestly shocked me when he fell to a day three pick. Like, the biggest knock on him going into the draft was, you know, his inconsistency with being great in the first half, but then kind of falling off in the second half. And I think that has nothing to do with, you know, his physical attributes, but more so mental. 
Uh, so if he can just get in there, you know, sit a year or two behind Phillip Rivers, I think he could be a good quality starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, and then the Browns were also a winner for me. They had a lot of pressure, you know, after under uh, severely underachieving last year. You know, people were predicting them to be Super Bowl picks. Uh, but Grant Pitt, Grant Delpit, excuse me, from LSU, like you said, was a first-round grade in my book, too, right up there with Xavier McKinney, who also slid a little bit. Uh, but I think he'll be an excellent addition to that defense, as well as getting Jedrick Wills from Alabama. Alabama always produces great offensive linemen, and I think with him, them already getting Jack Conklin this offseason, I think they'll slide him in and either or could play left tackle. Uh, but getting protection for Baker Mayfield was definitely imperative for them. Uh, so they were definitely my big winners from the draft. So now to flip to the opposite side, who were your losers from the NFL draft? Well, let me start off with the Philadelphia Eagles, the rival Philadelphia Eagles. At, first of all, the first pick, they took Jalen Rager out of TCU at number 21. And on the still remaining receivers that were, you know, hadn't been selected, Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, Brandon Ayoub, Michael Pittman, and LaVisca Chanel. That's just to name a few. Um, I didn't watch much TCU football, so, you know, I didn't get a chance to really see uh, Jalen Rager. But just off name value alone, all of those guys are better than Jalen Rager. And so you have, you know, all those talented guys that you could have taken, but you took you took an unknown. So, you know, maybe they see something that I don't see. Like I said, I didn't really get a chance to watch much TCU football last year. But what really got me was their, was their second-round pick. They had the 53rd pick in the second round, and it took Jalen Hurts. So some of the needs were cornerback, receiver, linebacker, and safety. You know, Jalen Hurts, is a, he's a great QB, man. He's a, he's a winning dual-threat quarterback. He was 38-4 as a starter. Uh, but some of the things about me is his arm strength. That's one of the things, you know, and his inaccuracies at times. That's one of those things that, you know, kept him from getting the first first round grade in my book. And I think when you had those type of needs, you don't go and take a, a, a quarterback in the second round, a backup quarterback in the second round, because he's not going to start over Carson Wentz unless Carson Wentz gets hurt. And they have two completely different skill sets. So a lot of times when you got a starting quarterback, you kind of want to have a backup that has a similar skill set. So if he gets hurt, you don't have to completely change the offense. And, you know, and here's some of the guys that were still on the board when they picked Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jeremy Chen out of Southern Illinois. Christian Fulton, who's a cornerback, great cornerback out of LSU. And Willie Gay Jr., a linebacker out of uh, Mississippi State. And that the Chiefs ended up taking in the second round. So those are all guys that you could have taken as a position of need, you know, versus taking the backup quarterback. So that's where, that's where I feel like the, the Eagles are big losers in that, in that sense. But moving on to another one of my losers, the Green Bay Packers. They traded up to take a quarterback, and the number twenty-six pick. They were one game. They were one game away from going to the NFC Championship game last year. Doesn't make sense. All you need to do, all you need to do, is get Aaron Rodgers some more help. He needs another receiver, but you go and draft a quarterback that's not going to play for another two or three years. Also, you took a running back in round two when you already have Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones on the roster. I think Aaron Jones had 16 rushing touchdowns. Why would you go and get a running back in round two for your other needs? And one of the crazy things is they took three offensive linemen in the sixth round, and they didn't even take a wide receiver at all. 
They added a tight end later in the draft. They added a tight end, I think, with third or fourth round. But dude, like they added, they added uh, Devin Funches, who's known to drop the ball all the time. Like, but he's not a reliable number two. I don't get it. You lost Jimmy Graham. Like, what are you doing? Green Bay is one of the only franchises I see that trying to get fired. <laughs> Green Bay routinely doesn't try to help Aaron Rodgers. Him and Jordan Love are the only first-round skill position that's been taken since Aaron Rodgers has been there. Like, does it not – does it not – do you not see what the number two receiver did last year? It was virtually unproductive. And you, instead of going to get drafting a receiver, which was a talented, deep receiving class, you didn't even draft one. The one time – he finally got a good defense last year, but now his offense is lacking. So, you know, I don't they, – they're not doing anything to really help Aaron Rodgers for me. That was a slap in the face of Aaron Rodgers, and I'd be extremely upset. And of course, you know, I would try to mentor Jordan Jordan Love because you know he's the he's the he's next in, next on the throne. But I'm a I'm a season away from being one game away from Super Bowl. Why would you not go give me help? That's completely stupid in my eyes. And I think the the Packers really dropped the ball on that. And another one of my losers is the Oakland Raiders. So they took Henry Ruggs at number twelve, who I had as the third best receiver. Uh, that's how I had Raiders the third-best receiver. I, I fully expected them to take C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy, but they took him Ruggs. And also, at 19, they took Damon Arnett, who had a second- or third-round grade. And some of the guys that were still on the board at that time were Christian Fulton, Jeff Gladney, Noah Igbenogany, and they took, they took him at 19. And they were all graded, rated higher, according to the draft profiles. They were all rated higher. So then Damon Arnett. So I don't understand that either. They took three wide receivers with the first four picks, which didn't make any sense to me. And they had other needs. So I, you know, I don't know. You know, they played they played well last year. I expected them to be complete garbage, but you know, they were 79 last year. They were in a hunt pretty much until the very end. But you have other needs on the defense was it was terrible last year. You have needs at linebacker, you know, leads at safety. But here you go, you take three wide receivers in your first four pick. Like, I don't understand. Derek Carr doesn't need that much help. He has Darren Waller. He has Terrell, Terrell Williams. He has Josh Jacobs. You know, adding maybe a receiver or two, that's fine. But, you know, adding three in the first three. four picks, that's stupid. <laughs> you know, by no means am I, you know, a scouting genius. You know, but just the naked eye can tell you that you don't need that many – you have other more pressing needs than wide receiver. So I just you – know, some teams, like those three teams right there in particular, I was just like – I was scratching my head. And every time they made a pick, I was scratching my head because I'm like, there's other things that you need, clearly need, and you're drafting this position right here. So those were my three losers. No, I think I pretty much mostly agree with you once again. I'm going to go in and get this out the way. Easily biggest losers of the draft had to be the Green Bay Packers, like, First off, it was so crazy when I heard the stat about them not selecting a skill player for 15 years. You've had Aaron Rodgers all this time, and you haven't tried at all to get him any elite playmakers to help him. Like, seriously, immediately after the draft ended, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm making phone calls trying to get traded. Like, I just don't get it. And then they follow up the pick of Jordan Love, which, first off, this dude has been compared to Patrick Mahomes. If you're drafting this dude thinking he's the next Patrick Mahomes, you should already be fired, like, based off that alone. But then they followed that up with the picks of A.J. Dillon, 
and Josiah DeGuara. These are two dudes. A.J. Dillon was a power running back at B, uh, uh, Boston College. And Josiah DeGuara is an undersized tight end who's probably going to end up being a fullback. Like, neither of these dudes fit what they want to do, and neither of them are down the field thre- uh, threats to anybody to help Aaron Rodgers out. So, like, I'm completely confused on what the thought behind that pick was. Uh, so, I definitely think that Aaron Rodgers is only a matter of time before he's out of town. And, you know, while I'm on this uh, topic, something my friend brought up, um, the Michael Cole of the Philadelphia Inquirer, you know, everybody's been comparing this transition to uh, Favre and Rodgers back when, you know, he was in the bench on the bench. Uh, but like he said, I think we should view this more so like Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, both quarterbacks, Brady and Rodgers, uh, were, were aging like Aaron Rodgers is. And, you know, both expressed needs to want to play for more years. But then their, their teams both go and spend this high draft capital on drafting another quarterback like Jimmy G was taking second round. So I think that I don't think Aaron Rodgers is gonna be as receptive to mentoring him if we're being completely honest. Like he's not gonna want to do that. He's trying to get a Super Bowl. So I think they're gonna have to pick which quarterback they want, and one of them's gonna have to get traded. Uh so I definitely want to see how that plays out. Uh but my second loser was uh New England Patriots. For one, they failed to find a Tom Brady replacement. A lot of people thought they were actually going to get Jordan Love, but they actually traded out of the first round to the second round. And their first pick was spent on Kyle Duggar, who went to Lenore Ryan and played Division II football. I'm not disrespecting him in any way, but, like, that that just – I don't think this is going to translate to the NFL. Like, he dominated those guys easily. But if you just watch his tape, like, there are times you look at him playing and he just looks bored out there. So, like, it's going to be interesting to see if his talent level at that level can translate to the NFL. And I think he was one of those players who thrived off, you know, his athletic ability and just being more athletic than everybody out there. Uh, so one big question mark is definitely going to be his instincts at the NFL level. But, you know, uh, Belichick has a history with defensive players, so maybe he'll make it work. I don't know. Uh, but going along with that, they also got Josh Uche out of Michigan. One, I already don't like Michigan players, but that's another topic for another day. Uh, but he's an undersized pass rusher out of Michigan. And watching him also, you know, he easily in run situations just got completely washed away in blocks, like ineffective. Like, he did have lots of production. I think he had eight and a half sacks last year. Uh, But he's not going to be facing those same caliber of offensive linemen in the NFL. Uh, And then also his injury history, he's already had a stress fracture and a torn meniscus. Uh, So that's a major red flag. So I don't know. I don't know how he's going to do in the NFL. Just too many questions on those draft picks. Um, and my last loser, uh, like you said, Las Vegas Raiders. I don't know how you spend three of your first four picks on wide receivers. Like, and then they take Henry Ruggs, who honestly, in my opinion, I have moved him to like fourth or fifth. 
I thought guys like Justin Jefferson, I would have taken over Henry Ruggs. Uh, but I guess they saw something on tape that they liked. Then you have Brian Edwards, who he was a good possession receiver at South Carolina, uh, but he just also has an injury history. And then Lynn Bowden, who played for Kentucky, he spent last year playing quarterback. So, like, it's going to be interesting to see how, like, his route running and things of that nature, like, how did they truly develop last year considering he, he was playing out of position? Uh, so I definitely don't get that. And then on top of that, when they took Henry, Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb were both still on the board. So if that backfires, I don't know how, how the fans in Las Vegas are going to react to that. Um, and then I'm an Ohio State guy, so I'm a big fan of Damon Arnett. But being drafted at 19, I don't understand that. Um, he definitely had like a second or third round grade for me too. But to be taken in the first round, like Mike Mayock and John Gruden are already showing this consistent history of reaching on defensive players. Because uh, I think, was that Cleland Farrell they took from Clemson at like pick four? And like he's been a nobody in the NFL. Like I don't get it. Uh, so they, they definitely got a big L from me for this draft. Uh, but those are my, my biggest three losers from this weekend. Um, so kind of moving away from that and on to next year, uh, who are your way too early Super Bowl picks? Well, you know, based off the draft and free agency, uh, in the AFC, <clears throat> I have the Baltimore Ravens coming out. You know, they disappointed last year, but they added Calais Campbell and they added Derek Wolf, Patrick Queen, you know, added Malik Harrison, you know, they added J.K. Dobbins, you know, so... You know, what I think with those additions, and I'm I'm counting on Lamar to improve throwing outside the numbers because we, we saw in the playoffs against the Titans, that was a struggle for him throwing outside of the numbers. But I think, you know, with – and adding Devin DuVernay too, you know, whatever improved receiving court, you know, and, you know, more – you know, more practice under his belt, more games under his belt, you know, more of a chance to develop. I think he'll, he'll take that next step in terms of a passer. And then just the run game itself, like how are you going to stop the run game? You got Mark Ingram that's going to pound you. You got J.K. Dobbins that's going to pound you and run away from you. And then you got Lamar Jackson coming in with a 70-yard run. Can't nobody touch him. The fastest guy on the field. So I don't know how you – and then you got Mark Andrews. Human joystick. You got Mark Andrews controlling the middle of the field. You got Hollywood Brown with his speed. And now you add in Devin DuVernay in the slot. So I don't know how you defend that team. And the defense is going to be – it's just going to be better next year, you know, adding those two young, fast linebackers, you know, and improving the front seven, you know, improving the, the interior defensive line. And so I think that that alone, I think, will propel them. I think with the Chiefs, you know, they lost Kendall Fuller. He went back to the Redskins. So I think that's going to hurt them. But they added some talent as well, you know, and I just think, you know, those two clashing styles, I think the Ravens will have the upper edge. You know, I could very well be wrong, and the Chiefs could go back. But I have, you know – the Baltimore Ravens coming out. <clears throat> now, for the NFC, I have the, the San Francisco 49ers again. Uh, they didn't really lose. The only thing they lost, honestly, was DeForest Buckner. It's the only thing they lost. Other than that, they've added in all facets. They lost the left tackle. They replaced them with a, with a better one. They added to the receiving corps, you know. So, you know, I think they'll be right back in it again. 
Uh, they're still more physical than you. Still can run the ball down your throat. They still will beat you up. So, you know, and they got Jimmy G, who's efficient. He doesn't have to be, you know, a superstar throw for 4,500 yards. He don't have to do that. They don't need him to do that. So, you know, I still have the 49ers coming out of the out of the NFC, unless they can get challenged by somebody like maybe the Cowboys, they can put it together. You know, I think they may be the biggest challenge, but I, you know, even then, you know, the offensive line, they took a huge hit losing Travis, Fre Travis Frederick, you know, the defensive line, you know, you got questions on who the, the, uh, the second best pass rusher is going to be, you know, at Dontar Pose, they added him. He's not much of a pass rusher. Gerald McCoy, he's 32. He's gotten older. And Demarcus Lawrence only had five sacks last year, and they're paying him over twenty million dollars. So, you know, we don't want to see who's going to be their their second pass rusher. And then in terms of cornerbacks, you know, uh, Jordan Lewis played pretty well last year. Anthony Brown was hurt, but Chidobe Awuzie, I don't think he's the number one corner. I think he's the number two, but he was at times he was very inconsistent last year. And I don't know if Trayvon Diggs is ready to come in day one and cover number one receivers. You know, at safety, you added Ha Ha Clint Dix, who's great against the pass, but not so good against the run. And you have, you know, Xavier Woods, who's the opposite. He's good against the run, but not as good against the pass. And he doesn't create turnovers. So, and I think that's one thing the Cowboys have lacked for the last four or five years. That's been the ability to consistently create turnovers on the back end. Even with having the top flight corner the last few years, they still only generated seven interceptions last year. So, you know, I think. You know, unless they, you know, the guys in the back end can take a step forward and create more turnovers, I still got the 49ers coming out of the NFC. Smart man, smart man. Cowboys definitely ain't ready for it yet. Uh, but I'm right with you, honestly. I think it's going to be Ravens and 49ers. For one, I don't see, I don't want to see Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl again. Uh, but I think if they match up in the playoffs, I think Baltimore has the secondary – to keep up with those Kansas City receivers. And then, which I forgot to mention them in my winners, actually, but the Ravens have made a lot of good moves this offseason, which they've always had a history of, you know, having good drafts. Uh, but like you said, they added uh, J.K. Dobbins, uh, who was a monster at Ohio State. Uh, Devin DuVernay has track speed and, you know, brings speed to that offense in the slot. Um they added a defensive lineman out of Texas A&M to take Michael Pierce's place. And then they got Calais Campbell. They got Derek Wolfe. Patrick Queen was the best linebacker in this year's NFL draft class. So adding all that, which I think Derek Henry had a lot to do with those moves because they definitely couldn't stop him in the playoffs. But now that they got the front seven to stop Derek Henry, I don't really see any weaknesses on that team other than, you know, at this point, it's just going to be a matter of how much Lamar Jackson can develop as a down-the-field passer. Um, and if he can, you know, increase that even a little bit, I think they'll definitely be the Super Bowl favorites next year. Uh, and I just don't think teams like the Bills, uh, who else do you have in the AFC? I don't think the Colts, I don't, they, they'll challenge, but I don't think they'll make the Super Bowl. Um, Titans definitely won't make the Super Bowl. Maybe the uh, – But, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. maybe the, the Chargers, if they had a better quarterback situation. Because they got all you the know, They got all the talent. I else. forgot about the Chargers. Yeah. They got all the talent elsewhere. It's just the, just the quarterback position. We don't know. I'm pretty sure Tyrod Taylor will probably be the starter this year. But, you know, Tyrod Taylor has a ceiling in terms of, you know, where his talent can take you. And, you know, Justin Herbert, we don't know with Justin Herbert. So, I think the Chargers, you know – 
had they have an improved, a better quarterback situation, would definitely be threats. Stop hating on Justin Herbert, bro. Watch him take them to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not hating. That's my dark horse pick. That's my dark horse pick. Yeah. Uh, but moving out to the NFC, like you said, bro, ain't nobody touching the 49ers right now. I mean, we probably had the best offseason of any NFC team, in my opinion, uh, which, I mean, we got the, the facts to back it up. But Buccaneers are ready for the Super Bowl. The Saints, they choke year in, year out. I don't know what the deal is with them. Uh, I definitely don't expect Kirk Cousins and the Vikings to challenge us. And like you said, the Cowboys have all the talent year in and year out, but they just can't ever put it together consistently. And I think we saw that literally last year when Dak had was he he was leading passer in the NFL last year, uh, and they still managed. Second. Yeah. yeah, and they still managed to just finish eight and eight. Like, I, I don't get – that doesn't add up. Uh, But, yeah, 49ers, bro, I mean, literally our starters that we lost, we brought in upgrades to replace them. And, I mean, people bring up Emmanuel Sanders, but, honestly, he wasn't that productive. He was just a threat out there. So, I think Brandon Ayuk is an upgrade over him. Like I said, uh, Javon Kenlaw has a high ceiling. Richard Sherman still in the secondary, you know, talking crap to everybody. Uh, I love the Trent Williams trade. We basically got him for a bag of chips and a turkey sandwich. And then we got our running backs coming back this year too. Like, I don't see anybody beating us. So I, I, I definitely love to see that Lamar Jackson against the 49ers next year in the Super Bowl, which I thought it was going to happen this year, but unfortunately not. So, you know, we'll I see how some, that plays out next I season. Thought, I, thought somebody, I thought somebody might mention a loss of Matt Breida. But, you know, even down the stretch, he wasn't really even playing down the stretch. It was Raheem Mostert. He was in the doghouse by week 12. He was in the doghouse. You still got, and, you got Jarek McKinnon coming back, too. He coming back healthy, and he took a pay cut. So, yeah. Matt Breida was definitely out the door. <laughs> and then we got Tevin Coleman, too. Tevin Coleman. Uh, and like you said, Raheem Mostert, he literally set a, a playoff rushing record against the Packers. Like, I did not see that coming. I didn't either. Uh, but to have that, have that much production from those three guys, man, that's crazy. But did you have anything else to add, bro? No, no, I don't got anything else to add, man. You tuning in to that Jordan documentary tonight? Oh, uh, you already know. I'm trying to check out the GOAT. You know, this week they're talking about Dennis Rodman. So, you know, Dennis Rodman always been one of my favorite players. I like, you know, guys that are glue guys, the worm, guys that do a little bit of everything. Scoring, <laughs> scoring isn't the only thing, regardless of what, you know, people may make it seem like. Scoring isn't the only attribute you can have. He literally did everything else but mm-hmm. score. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I love, you know, I love – so I'm, I'm gonna love hearing about the worm because he was interested. yeah no doubt yeah. yeah I'm excited about the Dennis Rodman episode especially with his off the court stuff too like this dude's even friends with like Kim Jong Un so I don't know maybe they'll get into how all that started and whatnot but yeah I'm definitely tuning in uh, but we appreciate you all for rocking with us thank you for tuning in to this episode of first and foremost. Remember, follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. 
Uh, we're always welcome to any feedback you all may have to make the show better, any ideas you may have on some content you want us to discuss, and also be lookout, be on the lookout uh, for posts, you know, try to be more interactive with you guys, so definitely don't be afraid to participate in those. Uh, but here, episode eight, I'm Quentin Douglas. And I'm Jimmy Covington. All right, we'll see you all next time. All right, thank you all. We out.